What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 48, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode Dead Man Switch. And you can find us on Google Play Podcasts and on Apple Podcasts. And when you find us there on Apple, I know for a fact you can give us all the five-star ratings because I've seen it and I've witnessed it. On Google Play Podcasts, I have been saying for over a year <laughs> that you can give us five-star ratings over there, too. The other day, I went to double-check to see what the situation is, and I could not find how one could do that so i'm trusting that it is possible i just don't know how so there's that but on spotify when you find us on spotify and again zach i keep hearing from different podcasts that like their spotify listenership is like like tiny and they don't really actually care about our spotify listenership is massive like yeah it's a major portion of of people that Thank you, folks, for listening to us on Spotify. That's really kind. And when you're on Spotify and you haven't already done the little heart clicky-do-hickey thingy dingy, uh, there's a heart button that you can click. And when you do so, that helps other people when they're just sitting around on Spotify going, I would like to listen to something interesting. I would like to listen to something interesting on Stargate. And they type in Stargate and bang. Ours is like the third one down. And it's the best one down. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, you know, I, Brent, I was just yeah. thinking, and this is sort of a a punt off the the show notes here, but I was just thinking that that we should encourage our listeners to give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. Yes, and actually writing a review and saying how much they love our podcast uh, by offering us the giving them the chance to to hear us read their their comments oh. on the podcast. I like this idea. So so go to Apple Podcasts. Even if you're not listening <laughs> on Apple Podcasts, I know that you can use your Google and and your web browser and find Apple Podcasts and find yeah. us and then yeah. give us a rating and a reviewing there. And if you do, uh, you know, if, if you give us a review, we will uh, share that online and, and give you credit and props and you will become an official Stargate listener. A gatewalker. Yeah. I, I, uh, that long pause was me just sitting here just trying to think of some like way to find a way to make that official. I don't know. Whatever. Well, y- yeah. y- um, friend of the show. You'll be an official friend of the show. You um, will be. A, yeah. All right. So, yeah. So, Zach, uh, when they give us those five-star ratings, if they want to just kind of give us a little heads up that they did that so that we can go take a look and then read it and uh, then yes. read it. Read it, read it live. How yes. live as a recording live? How would they go about doing that? Well, uh, you can. You have several different ways of getting hold of us. Uh, one, you can use Twitter and find us at Stargate Walking. That yes. is a great place to interact with uh, Brent. Uh, mostly. mostly, although that said, I have finally now gotten the access to that on my phone, so I can at least. Uh, uh, Watch it. You make it sound like you wrested it from my hands. (laughs) No, mostly it was it was me. Like, Brent, what is that again? Yeah. Oh yeah. And then I'm like, okay, I got to remember that. And then I forget. I'm like, wait, wait, Brent, what is that again? Yeah. (laughs) But I remember now, so I'm there a little bit. Good. Uh, 
And uh, you can also find us on Facebook. We have a Walking Through the Stargate Facebook page. We have a Walking Through the Stargate Facebook group. The group mm-hmm. is where most of the stuff happens. Uh, yes. There are people chattering and talking a little bit there now and then. Um, uh, one gentleman now, I can't remember who it is. I don't have it pulled up. Uh, Brent, I don't know if you noticed. Uh, he is apparently very good at guessing your ratings for these oh. episodes. Does so, he provide evidence? Uh, he has not provided any evidence, and so I invite you to uh, uh, provide evidence moving forward that you uh, are actually accurate in what you say. Yeah, uh, I don't know so. how. I mean, maybe like you know, hold up, uh, hold up a little scribbled piece of paper predicting what my thing will be next to like you know a newspaper with the day's dates. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, yep. why are you sending hostage photos? I'm not sending hostage photos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is certainly uh, possible. Just so you know, we record these typically on a Saturday morning, and then yes. Brent usually releases them by Monday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday evening there. Mm-hmm. Uh, around there. So uh, there's your window. Now you have it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. That's totally yes. fun. Um, also, you can email us. If you just want to do it the old-fashioned emailing way, yep. uh, then you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. That is W-A-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-D-A-R-G-A-T at gmail.com. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Hang on. <laughs> yes, technically that was flawless, but there was definitely some... Um you were you were mushing some 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 uh, phonemes there to get through. <laughs> the whole point is mushing the phonemes. <laughs> That's called speech, Brent. <laughs> yes. The the key is to get through the whole thing without falling down. Yes, and if and if <laughs> and if you start on your feet and end on your feet, clearly you are on your feet the whole way through. <laughs> Isn't that uh, how it works? Um, <laughs> sort of. That's how gymnastics works. See, there you go. Yeah. So you're just doing gymnastics. That's all you're I'm doing. I'm doing gymnastics. It's it's verbal gymnastics. Verbal gymnastics. Okay. And it's excellent. It's excellent. Wonderful. Walking through the Stargate at gmail.com. So just to make Brent happy, W A L K I N G T H R O U G H the right way. T-H-E. This is taking so long, I have to take an extra breath. <laughs> S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E uh-huh. at gmail.com. How do you spell Gmail? G-M-A-I-L <laughs> dot. And that's the period dot, not uh, like spelling D-O-T dot. No. Yeah. Dot. Right. C-O-M. C-O-M. Okay. Whew. Thanks. Is that better? Oh, so better. I okay. am, I don't feel lost anymore. Okay. So, uh, there you go. There you go. Well, Brent, now that we have done all of that beginning stuff, let's dig yes. into this episode. Yes. Please, uh, this episode was directed by Martin Wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, the teleplay is by Robert C. Cooper. Mm-hmm. If you want to know all about uh, Martin and Robert, uh, listen to our previous podcasts because we go into depth about both those two gentlemen and uh, rather than saying the same thing again and again in every podcast, I'll just let you look at our backlog. We have 48, 47 episodes to look back at. More than that, uh, I was realizing, because we got bonus episodes in that's there. That's true. We got, that's true. Uh, 
the pilot uh, technically was episode zero and oh yeah. yes you know brent we kind of like blew right past this but we've actually been podcasting for more than a year now we did blow right past that um so we'll figure out something to do in the future maybe when we get to 50 we'll we'll have some big hoopla we'll make, and by big hoopla i mean we'll mention it i'll mention it and i'll make a cupcake <laughs> oh there, there you go yeah there you go Ta-da! uh we do have <laughs> A couple of guest actors in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Mark Holden, who plays Korra. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the, the Tokra slash Guaud guy. Uh, he began his professional career in his late 20s in 1991 in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, uh, under the mentorship of Robin Phillips, who was, at the time, Director General of the Edmonton Citadel Theater, mm. who cast him in... The Royal Hunt of the Sun, playing mm-hmm. an Incan chief priest. Okay. Uh, there you go. So that's kind of how he got his start. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also led a very eclectic life. He's mm-hmm. uh, been a police officer in the Metro police, uh, Metropolitan Police Service in London in the early 80s. He hmm. competed for Great Britain and Canada at bobsledding during the mid to late <laughs> 1980s. Really? Uh, Prior to that, he was a track and field athlete. His main okay. events were the 200 and 400 meter. Uh, I ran the 400. He won the International Police Olympic Decathlon in Austin, Texas in 1982, huh. where he also broke the championship record. Wow. So he's been all but, over the place. But don't ask him to look realistic when he gets zapped by a gun. Well, no. 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 That's too much. No, well, he his claim, he he started off playing an Incan chief, or uh, chief priest, and and, yeah. and they don't have guns there, so okay, know, so it fine. was really so that that look of shock and surprise was like you know profoundly genuine. Right, there was like there was like uh, that 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 look of I can't believe this is happening was really based in the concept of he couldn't actually understand. What is this blast that is hitting me? Huh? What, is, what is that thing that he has in his hand? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, the other actor is Sam J. Jones, who plays Eris Bach, uh-huh. the bounty hunter. Yeah. Uh, Jones was born in Chicago, Illinois, but he grew mm-hmm. up in Sacramento, California. Uh, in 1972, after high school, he enlisted in the United States Marine Corps. Uh, where he also played American football. I thought so. He looked like he was a football player. Uh, well, yes. So does Christopher Judge and a whole bunch yeah, of other yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yep. But Sam Jones also, like, you know, behaves like he was a football well, player. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, he made his first film appearance in 1979 in a romantic comedy film named Ten. Okay. And in that appearance in 10 allowed him then later to beat Kurt Russell and Arnold Schwarzenegger for his most famous role of Flash Gordon oh, in 1980. Oh, that's where I saw that. Th- I haven't actually watched the whole movie of Flash Gordon, but I have seen bits and bobs of it. And so, mm-hmm. all right. Well, that is Sam J. Jones. Gotcha. Um, apparently, just before the, the night before he began filming Flash Gordon, he was mugged. Um, and unfortunately, his entire dialogue in Flash Gordon was apparently dubbed by Peter Marinker. Hmm. That's Uh, unfortunate. 
Yeah, it is. Uh, that happened to uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger with a couple of those early movies. Conan, I think, wasn't it? He was dubbed in that. Mm. So, but uh, at least Conan, you know, Arnold was was German and that's or Austrian, and that's why they thought they had to dub him. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> Nobody uh, can understand you, Arnold. Yeah. Uh, what are you talking about? It's not a tumor. It's My not English a tumor. is imperceptibly brilliant. Um. Right. Do the crunches. Do the oh. crunches. That gives it the chopper. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, left turn. Okay. Left, turn. left turn. Sam J. Jones. Sam J. Jones. J. Jones. He is apparently the CEO of Inner Cordon Inc., an international security company providing diplomatic and executive protection for high-profile clients around the world. Huh. Well, okay then. Uh, so. Um, interestingly, uh, this is a, an episode that does not have, uh, Don S. Davis in it at all. Mm-hmm. So the only actors in this entire episode are the four SG-1 team members, Sam Jones and Mark Holden. And that's it. Wait, run that by me one more time. So the only actors in this show, in this particular episode, oh yeah, are those six okay. people? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. there are no more extras ever anywhere else. Oh my gosh, I didn't quite appreciate that until you said it out loud, huh? Um, well, there you go. Yeah. So, uh, the original air date for Dead Man Switch was August 6, nineteen ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the U.S., we were still listening to Christina Aguilera's "Genie in a Bottle." And the, in the UK, mm-hmm. they have no, they've stopped listening uh, to Live and La Vida Loca, and they have Ooh. begun listening to, okay, that, that's not entirely true. It was still number two at this point in time. Oh. <laughs> uh, but number one in the UK is When You Say Nothing At All by Ronan Keating. Huh. Well, yeah, I guess don't know what we got to do now, Zach. Do we have to listen to it? Yeah. I bet you this is a slow jam. This this is clearly a slow jam. Okay, so so we're gonna cue it up right now. Okay, and here we go, getting yep. into the box office. Tell us about the box office. This okay, week, so as we jam to Ronan Keating, the mm. box office this week, mm-hmm. uh, number one was the Sixth Sense. Uh, we actually mentioned that last week a little bit, uh, but this is its opening weekend, and it was yeah. number one. Number two is the Blair Witch Project. It stands pat there at number two. Mm-hmm. Number three is Runaway Bride. Number four is a new movie to this list, The Thomas Crown Affair. I remember oh, yeah. watching that. that yeah. That was a fun movie. Mm-hmm. And finally, rounding out the top five was Deep Blue Sea. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Now let's fade that. Let's fade that jam right out. Here yep, we go. Yep. There. So uh, as that is being faded out, we move on to what was happening at this point in time in the world and in our lives mm-hmm. on August fifth. Uh, that would be one day before this episode came out. St. Louis slugger Mark McGuire becomes only the sixteenth Major League Baseball player to reach the five hundred home run milestone. As the Cardinals lose ten to two versus the San Diego Padres, uh, yeah, ah, yes, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> my, that's pretty good. My, my lack of baseball knowledge has come through and saved right? me. It is the Padres, right? Yeah, it's Padres. Better be the Padres. Uh, I'll, I'll call it the Padres. <laughs> if it's not the Padres, right, somebody right there right now is like, no, it's the Penguins, which I, that's actually another sports franchise in Pittsburgh. That, that, I don't that know why be I was going a, that direction. Uh, hockey team. 
On August 6th. It's the armadillos. Sure. Nah. nah I'm sure nah. that's a okay. league team. So anyway, carry on. All right. So <clears throat> August 6th. Tony Gwynn goes four for five and collects his 3,000th Major League Baseball hit as San Diego, still the Padres, <laughs> beats uh, the Expos from uh, Montreal, Montreal or Toronto? Mm-hmm. Montreal. No, Montreal. Montreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it just says anymore, that though. on my, my, my show notes there. They, they, they won 12 to 10 at Montreal Olympic Stadium. So, See, there you go. Okay. See, there, there you go. go. Uh, a couple of days later, August 9, a couple things happen. One, Russian President Boris Yeltsin fires his Prime Minister, Sergei Stepashin. Stepashin? Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the fourth time, fires his entire cabinet. Yeah, the Boris Yeltsin <laughs> years in Russia were not stable years. <laughs> hey, they were, they were trying to get their feet back up. From under uh, yeah. They, they, they yeah. had a rough start. They did. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. They'll they'll figure it out. Maybe. I'm sure they'll become dominant once again. Blink, yes. blink. Right. Also on August 9th, the Diet of Japan enacts a law establishing the Hinamaru and Kimigayo as the official national flag and national oh, anthem. Oh, I was just reading about this not too long ago because I oh. do that because I'm weird. But You uh, are yeah. weird, but okay. Yeah. So and this there is you when go. it happened. All right. That's when it go. happened uh, on August 9th, 1999. Uh, a couple of trivia things about this episode. Um, this is the first episode uh, that the Stargate does not appear at all. So not only do oh, we not right. have Madonna S. Davis, not only do we have zero extras, just the two guest actors and their main team, we also don't see the device upon which this entire series is named. No kidding. And now that you say that, like, 99% of the show takes place in like a one acre spot yeah. in, in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. 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 Oh, but we um, still have, we get those interior shots of the, of the ship. That's true. This is the so, first time we see the Teltac. Um, although as I was reading this in the recut of the pilot episode, uh, which is what you saw. Yeah. Uh, they did, Add a Teltac instead of whatever ship they had in there from the original. Oh, um, I can't remember anymore what what that was exactly. But uh, okay, uh, so so the ship actually does appear in that recut of the pilot episode which you saw, right? But, but that wasn't in the original pilot, right. and this is the first time we see the Teltac. Gotcha. In, in the show, yeah. So, uh, from the illustrated companion. Uh, apparently, Sam Jones uh, had a, a sometimes a challenge getting the right words out in the right way, and so Martin Wood would say something <laughs> like, uh, "Say it like this," and then he'd be like, "Okay." So then he would say it exactly like that, and it'd be perfect. It, would it happen to be like there was a scene, uh, capturing? He was talking about who he captures, and he didn't say the word capture. He said the word catch, cat, sure. He dropped the P. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm being really special right now and saying, like, right. you know, I noticed when he was mispronouncing words, but I'm I kind of wondering. It, it was just kind of stood out a little bit, and, you know, it was a close-up of his face. You could really see 
what word he was saying. So it right. wasn't even a moment of like, you know, oh, did I mishear that? It was no, like he was, he said catcher. And, uh, and I'm wondering now if that was a moment where it's like, you know, all right, don't worry about saying it like this. Say it like that. It'll work. It'll be fine. There you go. There you go. Also, apparently in the spots where, where he was talking about his uh, wife and kid being captured and whatnot, uh, they had to stop there and say, um, Aerospot doesn't actually have a wife and kids. He's lying there. <laughs> oh, so uh but but if, you know if if you only read and worried about your pages of the script, yeah, you, he wouldn't necessarily know that as the actor. No, that totally. Makes sense. I mean, um, I'll I'll tip my hand a little bit and say that his his uh, then then therefore his wooden acting got even more wooden in that moment as he was having to bluff that he had a wife and kids. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, you know. Um, also from the uh, illustrated companion. Um, Martin Wood was really excited that they were able to get that shot over the uh, canyon there as the Teltac rises up and uh, peeks around at everybody yeah. on the top of that bluff. Sure. Uh, he thought that was pretty cool. And that's uh, an homage to the movie Blue Thunder when the helicopter comes up and does that. So there you go. There you go. Uh, I, haven't, in- I haven't seen Blue Thunder. I haven't either. I'm just reading the words that are on the page. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there, and there so, you have it. Inside information on how this show is produced, friends. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we, we don't really know what we're talking about. We're just reading words. <laughs> <laughs> Little do you know that this entire podcast is actually <laughs> scripted by other people, and yeah. we're just the hacks that have to we're read just the actors. words. We just we just we just play our parts. Yep. Uh yeah. So uh in English we call this episode Dead Man Switch. In most mm-hmm. other languages in the dubs it was some version of Bounty Hunter, the Bounty Hunter, Bounty Hunters, uh something like that. In Czech it's Guawuld Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um there you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um and Honestly, we- I was trying to I mean, like, I was trying to figure, like, where was the dead man switch in this episode? A dead man switch is a switch that if, uh, if a person is no longer able to um, actuate it, it causes something to happen. Uh, the concept of, like, on, like, a freight train or something, uh, a freight train operator will have to be engaging with the control apparatus otherwise the train will stop and that's the idea is that if the person like loses the ability to continue to maintain control of the thing then the whole thing is designed to stop and right. so in like explosion versions like the dead man switches like so long as i'm holding on to this button then the whole thing won't blow up and if you kill me i'll let go of the button and the whole thing will blow up so is it was it the was it the the ship blew um up? you know Not sure i don't know for sure I mean, I like my version where we switch Apophis around. I like that version better. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that didn't happen. No, it did not. <laughs> no. No. Oh. But uh, I suppose maybe you could make the argument that, that in this situation, it's not a dead man switch. It's a, a switch of a dead man. Um, in which case, they're switching. Um, so it's uh, a pun and a bad yeah, one. Yeah. You know, Cora uh, <laughs> with, with Teal'c and then Teal'c with. Uh, a, a yeah. dead ship. I don't know. A um, dead ship. Dead ship man. I, I, it strikes me that Bounty Hunter probably makes a better title. Agreed. Uh, there is one glaring goof 
or at the very least inconsistency in this episode, in that uh, sound travels slower than light. Which means when you're looking out into the sky and you see a ship blow up, you are not going to hear it first. Right. So, there you go. Yeah, but that doesn't make that does not make for good television, dude. Oh, if you're sitting there waiting for the boom to happen, yeah, it would make a a bunch of nerds, uh, uh, a bunch of nerds like you and me, happy. Yeah, it's all. It's all. So you know, I have uh, never been a huge fan of fireworks. Yeah. Um, and one of the reasons that I've never been a big fan of fireworks is that hearing, seeing the, and then the boom, just was anticlimactic. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted the boom and the light to sync up, and nobody could do that for me. Unless you're real close, at which point you don't want to be there. <laughs> you don't want to be there. <laughs> Uh, so uh you know i remember as a kid i'm like wouldn't it be better if they synced those up (laughs) (laughs) won't somebody get on that come on come on what are you what are you you're messing around here now uh there there is a uh uh a supposition that suggests maybe you can uh uh you know fix this goof by saying that the first sound they hear is actually the sound of the self-destruct device that has been uh, uh, sent out of the ship before the ship itself explodes. But that doesn't really quite make a whole lot of sense. That, nah. Because, yeah. It's okay. It's alright. We, we, okay. we, have, we have explosions and fireballs in space all the time in these shows. It's fine. Yes. We can deal. There were other um, goofs, though. There were other goofs. There was one. No, no. Well, no. Okay, at first I thought that the Captain Carter thing was a goof. And then I said to myself, like... Uh, and then, they, of course, they, that was, they rectified it in the middle of the point, and it created a great little moment of dialogue. It was, it was, yes. it was quite nice. Uh, I thought there was something else that I saw. Oh, who cares? It, it's fine. Moving along. Right. Uh, I think, Brent, now we're time, it's time to dig into our synopsis. Well, I mean, we're not exactly a Stargate podcast, as was previously discussed. So, you know, that we spent 20-something minutes uh, talking about not Stargate is, you know, totally, totally par for the course. Well, yeah, but that's because we're complete garbo. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, that's, right. that's right. That's um, right. So we're just, we're just <laughs> leaning into that. <laughs> into the garbo. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, anyway, synopsis. so uh, yes. So uh, let's talk about uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, shall we, for a while? Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> yes, let's talk about this synopsis. Okay, I'm not okay. going to try that. Oh, I could do it. Do you want, do you to, want do to try it? it? Do you want to try to do the entire synopsis in Arnold Schwarzenegger accent? I will, I will do, sit I will here do, and listen. I will do one paragraph of Arnold Schwarzenegger. While looking for a downed UAV, SG-1 runs into a red force field which turns out to be a trap set by Eris Bach, a non-human bounty hunter who works for the Gould. They, disar- they are disarmed and escorted to his cloaked Teltak, where they are imprisoned. Although Bach was hunting for someone else, he is happy to have captured the famous SG-1. Having secured his prisoners and informing them that he has disabled the DHD so they cannot escape to the Stargate, Bach departs to capture his original target. 
Not long after, he returns with his target, but it's with a shoulder injury, where he orders the first Dr. Jackson and then Major Carter to bandage. It. <laughs> it. Wait a second. I, I was so busy focusing on pronouncing things that I, like, having secured his prisoners and informed them that he has disabled the DHE so they cannot escape through the Stargate, Bach departs to capture his original target. Oh, not long at, not long later, he returns without his target, but with a shoulder injury where he orders the first Dr. Jackson, or he orders first Dr. Jackson and then Major Carter to bandage. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Carry on. Carry on. That was good. I- I'm impressed. Thanks. <laughs> so as Carter is bandaging... Uh, his wound, Bach tells SG-1 that he is hunting a ghoul named Keltar. The ghoul is plotting against Sokar, thus Sokar has offered a significant reward, i.e. a bounty, for his capture. Mm-hmm. Bach pressures O'Neill and Jackson to help capture Keltar, and while Teal'c and Carter remain behind, still imprisoned. Now, once they're outside the ship and on their way to capture the ghoul, Eris Bach gives Jack a Zetnikatel, with which to hunt the Guawuld, trusting that the colonel will play fair with the weapon. And, of course, Anil immediately shoots the bounty hunter. Good for him. Yes. Uh, they go back to uh, the, uh, the, the ship. Jack and Daniel then return to the ship, planning to fly it to the next planet with a Stargate. However, upon returning to the Teltac, they trigger a self-destruct mechanism that they are unable to shut down. While trying their best to disarm the self-destruct, Bach shows up and is amused by the useless failings of the humans. <laughs> he reveals that the self-destruct was not actually activated, but rather it was just a ruse. He also reveals to them that the Zat Blast had no effect on him, thanks to his Boba Fett-like armor. Mm, tickles. Tickles, who? <laughs> After their plan went wrong, Bach tells Carter more about his species. Uh, because he can't, his race can't be taken as a host for Googled symbiotes, they nearly wiped out his whole race and then s- enslaved the survivors, giving them apparently some sort of susten- uh, substance uh, to addict them, and now after several generations, the whole species can't live without this. That's not how drugs work. But that's, that's okay. <laughs> hey, this is a special kind of drug. This is a special kind of drug. <laughs> it's it's kind of special, sort of like uh, what was the substance that Seth was using? Like, oh, nishta, th- nishta. Yes, this is rashna, rashna, rashna nishta. If rashna, rashna and nishta, get together, and nishta, look nishta. out. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, now I have to find my spot because. Oh, sorry. Uh, yes, I mean, at, sorry, not sorry. All right, there you go. Uh, he says to the, the SG-1 team that his wife was killed and his son was enslaved by the Gould, and he's trying to free them. One day, he will. Of course, that's all a lie. Mm-hmm. Eris decides on a new plan. All of SG-1 will accompany him to capture the Gould. As they approach the cave where, Kelt- where Keltar is holed up, Eris sends O'Neill, Teal'c, and Jackson ahead while keeping Carter with him as insurance. The three SG-1 team members are fairly easily able to capture the Guabuld. Unfortunately, Keltar claims that he is, in fact, Korra of the Tok'ra. I want to put a pause right there because there's something in the Illustrated Companion that I forgot to say. So, in this scene here, um, uh, Teal'c lobs 
a like a smoke grenade in there. Yes, yes. And that's actually Christopher Judge lobbing that smoke grenade in there and nails it on the first try. Ooh, well, that's because he's a, he's he he is an, an excellent example of a human being. Oh yes. I mean Christopher Judge is. Right, not Teal, because Teal's not a not human. Not because Teal's not a human. Exactly. Right, right, right. Good job, okay. Christopher Judge. Nice. Well done. Um, let's see here. So Keltar claims that he is in fact Korra of the Tok'ra. He reveals that Erispok is not actually a loyal servant of the Gould, but is in fact chemically dependent on a substance called Roshna, which Roshna. only the Gould can produce. He also tells them that the story of Bok's son is a lie. Not certain precisely what to do, SG-1 cautiously trusts Korra and looks to find a way to break Carter free and then escape. But Bach has set up yet another trap for the team, using Carter as the bait, and finally captures all of them. Back at the Teltac, SG-1 is able to convince Bach that the Tok'ra are not like the Gulwuld. The bounty hunter finally lets Korra go after Teal'c offers himself to be given to the Gulwuld. SG-1, Sans, Teal'c, and Korra are given the crystal needed to repair the DHD, while Bach takes Teal'c with him and departs the planet. However, Bach then decides to let Teal'c also go by tricking Sokar that he and Teal'c were destroyed on his ship due to, quote, malfunctions. In reality, they jettison themselves in the escape, the escape pods. Finally, Bach gives Carter a sample of Roshna, hoping that one day his race will be free of it. He then leaves and tries to find another employer because Sokar will eventually find out that he'd betrayed him. The end. The end. So, Brent. Mm-hmm. Dead Man Switch. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? So, I'll... I'll start with the bad stuff. Start with the bad stuff. I'll start with the bad stuff. Um, uh, Sam Jones's acting was hilariously wooden. Uh, it was all right, but uh, there, while it, there were moments that it felt like there should have been more expression that was that would be humanly possible on a face that just didn't seem <laughs> to happen. <laughs> um, and uh, who was the actor that played uh, the other guy? Uh, Mark Holden. Uh, yes. Mark Holden as Cora was also s- kind of hilariously wooden himself. Um, uh, it wasn't that bad, but it definitely wasn't good. At least not as I was as I was seeing it. And then sure. also bad boy, this ep- or this story wrapped up really fast, man. <laughs> like really fast. Everything was like hastily kind of put right at the tail end. Um, just because it kind of ran out of story, I think. I mean, like it, 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 it. Well, they did sort of it, like, and now I, I, I guess we're done. So we're done. I guess we're done. Yeah, that's kind of it. Um, and throughout the whole episode, um, you know, uh, it really did feel like Bach had the perfect upper hand at every single stage and so in that respect it felt like the story was a little predictable but i don't quite mean like i saw each twist coming exactly as it happened but just more along the lines of like if at any one point you stopped the story and you said okay brent get a piece of paper and come out with um with the most most logical things to happen off of this moment like you'd come out with 
the dude says exactly what he means and this is what's going to happen or the dude is lying and these are the possible things like it was possibly this is the lie or that's the lie or that's a lie like and so you know at each one of these moments there was a little bit of a fork a forking moment where it could go down at a couple different paths but at no point was the twist like whoa i totally didn't see that coming and it's plausible awesome it was more like yep okay uh he he uh accurately predicted a lot of information all the way through the thing which Mm -hmm. is of course the story that's part of the reason why he is apparently a fantastic bounty hunter is because he has all this information and he's able to make these kinds of um double checks uh to make sure that he has a way to to and you know like the, the culminating in that last scene that sort of that last turns out where uh he zaps carter carter goes down um uh, Jackson, O'Neill, and Teal get to the scene. You know, of course, it's a trap. And there was a really great little moment there where, where uh, O'Neill knows that he's got to do something to basically spring the trap. And he asks, o- uh, he asks Teal if Teal got it. Do you got him? And O'Neill says, "I got him." And I'm like, "Yes, this is going to be tough and hard. Oh, this is going to be great." And then, like, Bach gets the upper hand by arriving on the scene in his ship. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, Teal can't do that. Like, he's not going to, like, hug the window or something. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like and so in that respect, like, it was still Arnold like, oh, Schwarzenegger would have done that. It. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, but, uh, you know, at every single moment, it just felt like Bach just had the perfect upper hand. And after enough times of that, it gets to be a little bit silly. Um, you like... You know, you kind of need your heroes to kind of find the little unexpected edge. And the unexpected edge, question mark, was that um, Bach was emotionally susceptible in ways that, you know, that that were able to be used to get the story resolved positively. Mm hmm. And that's okay. That's not so bad, but it isn't that great either. So I'm just kind of like, meh. Now. Another kind of bad thing, which will pivot me into the good things, is that this story ended too soon. Like, especially the way they were pacing it out at the front end, like, this thing needed to have been a two-parter or something. This thing wrapped up way too fast, and I was sitting there like, no, 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 no. Like, Bach is kind of a cool character. Uh, Jones, Sam J. Jones playing Bach, uh, I was sitting there a little like, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of two dimensional, but you know what? Carry on. Um, <laughs> and you know the 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 dialogue was fantastic, and the concept of a rogue uh, out there who is as capable as Bach um, and as formidable as Bach, uh, who does not have an allegiance. Um, is enticing. I really, really, really hope that we see this guy again. And I really, 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 really hope that it's in a butt kicking way. Like, uh, and, and it certainly kind of sets itself up for that for sure. But, uh, it kind of set itself up in a bit of a cheesy way. Like, Hey friends, I turned around and I'm now on your team. Um, as opposed to just kind of like whose team is he on? I mean, I guess we could still go back to the, whose team is he on aspect, but you know, like at the front end of that thing, it was whose team is he on? And that tension was pretty great. And they played it really well. The dialogue, boy, the dialogue was really, really good. And, uh, 
so there was a lot about this story that I was really enjoying. And then there were parts of the story that were kind of hilariously not so great. And then there was the sort of the summary that happened at the end where it's just like, mm, OK, it, it, it ended and it ended plausibly, but it's not exactly the best. So like overall, what did I think about this one? I liked it. I had a fun time. But I've got these weird things like pulling me in all sorts of different directions such that like when we get to the rating thing, like I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I've thought about it. I am sure about where I'm going to go with it. Ha ha ha. Uh, You guys are just going to have to find out. But the point is, is that it's not straightforward, right? It is not like a straightforward bad episode. It's not a straightforward good episode. It's not even a straightforward middling episode. It's got all these parts that are really good. Some of these parts are kind of weird. And there's one part that's dumb. And so I'm sitting here trying to be like, okay, how does that then play off of itself for how I think of the episode as a whole? Yep. That's that's my that's my that's my thing. What about you, Zach? How'd you like this one? Well, um, I think this is a fine episode. I mean, it, it, it's right there. You're, you're absolutely right. Sam Jones uh, is very, very wooden. I like the idea of Eris Bach. I'm not certain I like the execution of Eris Bach. Sure. Um, you're right that the dialogue, uh, there were several times where I'm like, oh, you know, that witty repartee that they've got going and, and how uh, Bach enters into that and then just the quips just keep coming. Uh, yeah. That I really like. That was great. I did. Uh, beyond that, though, Eris Bach is a very, very two-dimensional character. And where they try to flesh him out and make him a three-dimensional character uh, always makes me feel a little bit flat. Um, yep. it's, it doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't actually get out into, uh, uh, three dimensionals. It just kind of stays in that flatlander world. Um, <laughs> uh, Cora is <clears throat> likewise the same. You could perhaps excuse Cora a little bit because he has significantly less screen time and, um, totally. and he, he is the MacGuffin. So if the MacGuffin yeah. is two dimensional, okay, fine. I, I, yeah, I that, right. that, that's not, that's the big deal. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's a lot of potential in Eris Bach that doesn't quite come out, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fun episode. Um, it ends a little bit quick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, Cora is clearly not being very smart. He hides in this cave. Everybody knows where he is. And so what does he do? He puts some guns around the outside to try to protect him. But, you know, I mean, if you're being chased, uh, hiding in a cave where everybody knows where you're at is not the best. Yeah. No, um, I, yeah. And it's forgivable also, because... Also, I found it remarkable that they, they threw a, uh, a flare in there and then everything went... Which, which actually makes sense. If it's heat sinking, that would certainly work. And then yes. in a matter of, of seconds... Uh, you know, uh, O'Neill and, and Teal bang, 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 and they're all disabled. I'm like, wow, that's some pretty fancy shooting there. Tex. Yeah. And also, if they're able to, like, it seems pretty implausible that Bach couldn't figure that out. Yes, exactly. And, and, yeah. And, and I, and I don't think that the situation is such that Bach is such the mastermind that he anticipated SG1's arrival. Or maybe he did. Did he? No. He I didn't. don't know. He he um 
did no, not. He's chasing after what's his face. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it, he, he probably early on noticed that they were there and realized, oh, hey, I can get some more yeah. out of this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he didn't know about that ahead of time. I don't think. Um, well, then it kind of also puts a little bit into susceptibility the whole aspect that he knows everything about SG One. Does he then know everything about everybody? Like, well, he like, didn't maybe- know everything about him. He missed missed on the the Captain Major thing. Oh, um, he'll inform the galaxy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but that, that, that was that of, was a fun little uh, sure was bit of dialogue there. But it implies that he has a vast amount of knowledge about a lot of folks. Right. Um, he also and, missed that that uh, uh, Jackson is a doctor of archaeology, which also was another fun little clip there. Yes, of, absolutely of dialogue. But it it kind of leads itself to the idea that. Um, that Bach doesn't actually have a vast amount of encyclopedic knowledge about all about a, a a wide variety of people. It's that indeed he did anticipate SG one coming there. How I don't know, but like you know, like if 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 he had done his research, saying this person, you know, this this target is going to be on this planet, and wouldn't you know it? The it's, apparently that's a thing I'm saying a lot. Wouldn't you know it? Um, and SG one is going to be here too. I'm going to be doing up my research on these two things and then use it to my advantage, etc. Like that is more plausible, but that's also much less in, or much less plausible because how did he know SG one was going to be there? Like I don't. I don't think that he knew SG-1 was going to be there. I think his information about SG-1 is because there have been bounties out for SG-1, and clearly we've we've surmised this in previous events in the past. Uh, We know that the Gould are actively hunting them. And if we have a bounty hunter, and if this is one of the best bounty hunters in the galaxy, this bounty hunter would know about SG-1, even if he was not actively seeking them out in this particular situation yes but i mean Uh, now that you're saying that though that implies then that sg1 has a very high bounty on their head well he suggests that as well Mm, yeah at the end sort of but then why was he willing to let them go because he's got a heart oh because he's got a heart oh that was convenient tell you what yeah when if that heart wasn't there man they'd be screwed yeah yeah i mean it's 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 unfortunately that weakens it a little bit for me like yeah like if they're really that valuable then i mean boy they really had to then the story had to be doing a great job convincing him to to, to thaw that frozen heart of his right but and, uh, and what what convinces him even at the very least to not take uh cora is He's, wait a second, this guy was going to kill himself without being, before he was going to be captured? That's not very Gould-like, to sacrifice himself for others? Right. Oh, well, da-da-da-da-da, you know. Yeah, total change of heart. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a little thin. It doesn't quite fit. So, you know, it's, there are, there are fun elements of this episode. There's a lot of fun elements. A lot of the witty dialogue between uh Bach and the team uh is really good spot on it fits the characters it even fits Bach's character very very sure. well yeah all of that um but the episode on a whole just kind of sits there um mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm hesitant to say this next part so I'll just say it anyway uh there are elements of this that 
you would not expect that set up future uh, storylines, which is kind of cool. Um, and the way that's all woven in there nicely um, and very seamlessly uh, is exciting for me on that front. Um, sure. But uh, that's all I have. I'll, um, I'll assuage your fears if you had any. Um, I This thing was definitely setting itself up to be... Uh, 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 the beginning of something else. Like I felt like this was a very, very long introduction to stuff that was going to be really cool later. That's kind of the part of the reason why I was like, I feel like this should have been a two-parter. Yeah. Um, uh, because there was a lot, they were, they were putting a lot of effort into a lot of detail that as the episode wore on, kind of didn't either work or didn't quite pan out or didn't really feel like it added up. And so in the context of this one episode, it's a little like, uh, okay. But it still had a feeling like this, th that there was a lot about this episode, which was intentionally setting stuff up for later. Mm -hmm. I felt, honestly, I was in my head, even though this might be a bit of a blasphemous um, comparison. Um, I felt like Bach blaspheme away was kind of akin to Q in Star Trek Next Generation. This character who shows up is very disruptive, doesn't fit the mold, chafes against all, of, uh, you know, against our heroes pretty badly. Um, but in and is dangerous, is dangerous, but yet also is an ally. Um a chaotic ally, uh, an ally that has to be uh, con not contained, contained, yeah, contained, but you can't contain him, so so you just have to deal. Uh, and whenever you engage with him, you're in his world, not yours. But um, but in that respect, it was very interesting and very enticing. Uh, and again, this episode wrapped up way too tightly, like way too mm -hmm. fast. Uh, mm -hmm. And so as a result, it's like, okay, well, this one episode, I'm kind of like bagging on it, but on the whole, there's a lot of stuff in here that made me pretty darn excited. I kind of want to see more. Cool. Well, um, we'll have to wait and see if you pick up on the foreshadowing clues in this episode, uh, in future episode. Um, and if you don't, then I'll, if I remember, I'll point them out. Well, so I'll um I'll I'll do my best to to sort of be I'll, I'll look at my crystal ball, All right? Okay. We're gonna see Bach again, and Bach is gonna be an ally for our heroes. Uh, Bach is probably gonna be kind of another version of uh Braytac, uh, in so much as that we're gonna see Bach probably I'm gonna guess um maybe half a dozen times. And uh, I betcha, betcha, betcha that Bach is going to have a hero's death where I'm going to be rolling my eyes pretty hard because Sam J. Jones had better get some acting lessons. Otherwise, that death scene is going to be pretty bad. So, um, but uh, that's good. That's what's going to happen. So he's going to walk in. He's going to kick butt exactly at the right time in ways that our heroes are in desperate need of to resolve some pretty thorny situations. Um and let's see what else we're we gonna see. We're gonna see more. So we got a little bit of exposition about the Tokra, but not a whole lot. A little bit. Well, we got the poison tooth. I don't know. I guess that's new. Um, uh, there might be some exposition about that character himself. 
Uh, maybe he's more important than I'm giving him credit for. Let's see here. What else did we learn about in this episode? Um, oh, the self-destruct thing was kind of weird, but okay, there was some detail in there. Oh, he handed off that crystal. That crystal's going to be important at some point. Um, Are you talking about the crystal at the very end? Yeah, the one for the destruction, d- destructo device. For No, that, that uh, was the... Oh. Yeah, that was, oh, that was yeah, the crystal yeah, for the like, self-destruct thing. Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, not the one for the Stargate. Right. Um, the other one. Okay. Oh, yeah, and the Rishna. He handed off the Rishna. I bet you that's going to come in handy, too. Uh, we're probably going to save a whole planet of people with, with that thing. Um, okay, that's it. Now, you don't have to react. And, in fact, uh, it's probably best if you don't. Well, but, that's, uh, that was my question. Is is uh, uh, how much reaction to to those uh, do you want me to, to, to share? Because I'm sitting none. here, and, and my brain is 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 just, you know pinging off of course. my skull. Of course. No, you, Zach, unfortunately, you cannot react. Do not react. That little crystal ball gaze was purely for the the enjoyment of the people that are listening because they can react all they want. I can't see them. So either, either I'm getting some things amazingly right and they're just like, what? Or I've got some things hilariously wrong and they're like, ha ha, he's an idiot. So, but unfortunately you, Zach, you're going to have to wait till after we get off the air, after you and I quit our conversation and then you can, then you can react. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry I put you in this position without yep. asking first. Yep. Um, okay. Uh, let's see here. How can, how can I make a comment? That isn't quick directly a, a, a reaction to that. Um, you can talk about something else. You can talk I, about. Well, your, I, I just want. Uh, I want to say that uh, <laughs> uh, you did not pinpoint all the things that I was thinking about. Okay, that's fair. That's a great reaction. Okay, there's I, there's I, more I stuff will, in here. I will yeah. uh, leave it at that. That's fine. That's fine. That's good um, so. Yeah, there it is. That's Dead Man Switch. Yeah. Uh, I don't really have any more to add to this episode. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. So, this one feels a little weird that we're kind of wrapping it up so fast. Well, it's falling in the mold. You and I have said before that when an episode has a lot of stuff bad about it, we'll go on and on about it. And if it's a good one, it's kind of, you know, we don't end up having a lot to say about it. I'm finding that there's, it's that that little definition probably needs a little refining. If it's like super good, then we'll talk on and on about it. And if True. it's bad, we'll talk on and on. And you and me, I get the impression that we're both kind of feeling a little lukewarm about it for whatever reasons. But as a result, it's like, meh, you know, it's got its good points. Yeah. But we've, points. we're also at the 54 or so mark here, time wise. And so this would actually That's fit. That's a good point right about where we would be ending our conversation anyway. So then I turned to my good friend, Brent, and yes. I said, dear Brent, dead mm-hmm. man switch. Mm-hmm. How many chevrons out of seven chevrons does it get? Dead man switch is, uh, I loved the dialogue and I loved the character introductions. Um, the character development's a little wonky. But for a bounty hunter, you know what? If, it's, if there's got to be a character that's wooden, having it be a bounty hunter is about the best choice. And this guy's kind of fun. And he's certainly formidable. Like, really formidable. Uh, like, zat guns tickle him formidable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> those lines. Those lines were good. Those lines. Were, I was laughing. Yeah. There were a lot of moments where I was smiling and enjoying, and it had everything to do with the dialogue. 
And there were moments where I was intrigued and it had everything to do with the new information, but it had a, but, uh, that, that surrounded Eris Bach. And then there were moments where I was like, I don't know, is this really, you know, like the wooden acting was a bit of a problem and the way that the story wrapped up was a problem. So on the whole, the, uh, the amount of chevrons that I would give would be four out of seven chevrons. Four. Okay. Um, That's so one, this two, three, episode, four. Like you said, is wooden. Uh, there's a lot of great dialogue, which um, kind of flies in the face of wooden, which is really kind of interesting because normally, if you have a wooden character, that character is not known for having good dialogue, and yet mm-hmm. uh, when uh, Bach comes up with some good dialogue. It's really good. It works really well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but then when he's talking about his uh, fake son and his fake wife, uh, and when he's talking about how much he hates the Gould, it's like, uh, I, I really don't believe that you actually hate them. I mean, dislike them a little bit, you know, feel a little bit conflicted, but I think that you're reading the words on the page as opposed to actually feeling something. Right. Um, but then you get uh, all sorts of other stuff there. Um, I-, I cannot give it four chevrons. I think this is a three and a half chevron. It's not far <laughs> from four. But this is a straight down the middle. It's... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I give it a few, a little bit of a boost because uh, there are things in this episode, subtle though they are, that uh, set up future storylines in a way that uh, you wouldn't even necessarily think about it moving forward. But having this behind you, when you get to that other thing, it just, you, you just, you know, slide right into that storyline and you keep going without any problems. Because this just set up that little bit here and that little bit yep. there. Yep. Um, uh, and, but, you know, it just, yeah, it's a three and a half. Yeah. Totally. That's, that's a very respectable thing. I'm, I'm happy to lean into four just because I, I like characters like Eris Bach. Sure. And... I hope to see more of him, and it certainly did set itself up like I will. So in that respect, I'm like, okay, all right. I'm willing to let some of the stupid stuff slide, uh, uh, you know, in anticipation of better things to come. You know, I've also noticed, Brent, here that uh, Mm -hmm. uh, you have not given anything a .5 rating. Uh Uh-huh. All of your ratings have been uh, whole numbers. Yes, and uh, I'm the one that parses things out just a little bit more in that mm-hmm. regard. Um, but I, I don't know what that means other than there it is. <laughs> what it, so what, <laughs> what it means is that um, if we wanted a 14-point scale, we should have made one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there are only seven chevrons. <laughs> Oh, no, it's 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 a pet peeve of mine and it's only mine and I keep it to myself. You you just happen to bring it up um, that and nobody really cares. But like it's, it's for me, it's like if you're willing to go into part part stars, well, then yeah. like where do you stop? Like, you know, 
Is it is it four and a quarter stars? Is it you know like is it four and one tenth star? Is it four and three one thousandth star? Like you know no, right. just pick a star. Well, it, 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 for me, uh, I have limited myself to point fives. Good in this. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> I, 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 I might throw in a, a point quarter or something now because I know I'm oh, just you. A, just a t- <laughs> <laughs> um, but but oh, I, I wanted I wanted the the half star half chevron here so that uh, that that I could actually hit that that middle of the road spot exactly. So you know that three and a half is right in the middle of things. Um, so. It, that that that's why I needed that that there you go. That. So, uh, although Brent, I don't know what I'm getting so bent out of shape about, we we have also established that there that 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 there, an eight out of seven is possible. That's true. Yeah. I, although I, you I, haven't availed yourself of the eight out of seven, I'm waiting. I I hope that there is a moment where I just weep after watching an episode. At which point, I'll give it an eight. Ah, well, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Okay. The next episode. In yes. your quest to find a eight, an eight, <laughs> it might be the next episode. We'll have to it wait and be. see. It could be. The next episode is entitled Demons. Mm-hmm. And so my question for you, Brent, is how would Demons be an eight Chevron episode? <laughs> for you oh, oh, oh no zach that's unfair oh no okay totally if, that, if that's unfair I'll, I'll just return to what is demons no. about no 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 okay how would how would oh shoot how would demons be an H. See now though, see here's the thing is that for for the episode to be an eight chevron episode it's gonna have to um uh, it's gonna have to get into a spot where I am feeling emotionally vulnerable and then triumphant at the end. Like it's that's that's the arc that it has to take. Okay. Um, and so uh, uh, being silly and or being um, you know, being as forthright as it would take to describe what an episode would have to be to become an eight chevron episode especially with the title of demons um (laughs) i'm gonna have to like go down a path of like like you know like uh um something is burdening one of our characters terribly so and in a way and written in a way and described and acted in a way that just makes you just start to ball your eyes out at the first third of the story only to have the thing just like like punch up like rocky all the way up until like standing and triumphantly at the top like you know so all right right. but let's go back to what i think demons could be about okay okay Next time on Stargate SG-1, the Stargate team travels through the gate to find itself on a strange world. It appears that there are steps descending deeper and deeper into this world. They take a gazing look over top of a ledge and they look down and they see what appear to be 
medieval priests walking around in circles, banging themselves on the head or or being poked in the butt by nefarious creatures. Further and further they look until they find down into the center, frozen in a giant block of ice, a fantastically horrifying looking creature. It's Teal'c that looks down and he says, Oh, that is Nella Mashnan, the... The, the most prime of of bad dudes and uh, we are clearly in his his court where the Guarulde had entrapped him before oh and 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 Dr. Carter responds with do you mean the Nella the Nella Fashnum that is uh of lore who has who has no longer ca- who can no longer escape that is the very same we're in the underworld says dr jackson join us next time as the stargate sg1 team try to come back from the dead with demons uh dead i don't know that was fascinating. Hey, hey zach yes How, how'd i do y- y- you know shall we watch david's promo and Evaluate. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's figure out why, if I got why, it. Why don't we do that? I, I, if I say anything, it'll just not. Yeah, I'll just let's let's just watch this. Okay, hold on. I'm I'm trying to load up the thing, and the thing is being a thing. Oh, okay. So I should I should uh, babble a little wow, bit. It's it's being while, a while this Yeah, you you so, definitely need to talk. Okay, so while I while Brent is having technical difficulties, I will say that oh, uh, I got your. It. <laughs> I'm ready, Zach. <laughs> Dear listeners, you cannot hear, but perhaps you can. The the glare that I give my co-host. <laughs> had you had you thought of something amazing that you wanted to say? Should I give you space to say it? <laughs> I don't know. I was about to start 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 talking, and, and something might have come out. <laughs> <laughs> Good news, you don't have to. <laughs> okay. Well, whatever it was, I lost it. So. Okay. Well, I, I'm I'm ready to watch the promo if you're ready. Okay. okay. Let's watch the promo on demons. Here we go. Okay. Right now. Next time on Stargate SG One. Ah, trees, trees, and more trees. Yeah, it looks the like uh, Pacific Northwest finds a unique society. Looks like a church. And that would mean what? That it is most likely Christians reside here on the hill. A society what? being tormented by demons. Demons. The time of sacrifices at Hey, I'm jamming this vibe. My Lord Satan wow, look at that. Five souls to be this one. There's the mark of the devil! Oh! If you are human, as you say, then your souls are damned. You shall be struck out! Oh, yeah. It's all next time on Stargate SG-1. Wow! I'm excited! That was good! Dude, thank you to our friend of the show, David, for making David, this. David, awesome this job great. on there. Um, Yeah. There was a little hiccup there on on my feed as as my computer is slow and and, and such, but oh, you probably won't okay. notice it because Brent's going to clean that all out and make it fine. Just clean it, make it tidy. Yeah. So yeah. So 
So then, Zach, you were probably, you know, my reactions are probably a little too early, but whatever. That's yeah. okay. It works. It worked. We're going to so, be in a medieval town with demons that in it. will be demons. Medieval yeah. towns. Um, I will say that we will meet an actor in this episode that we have met before. Braytech? No. Ricardo an actor. Baltimore? Not a character. An actor. Uh, oh. In a new role. In a new role. Ah, uh, okay. And I will let you discover that on your own. Okay. And we'll talk about okay. it next week when we discuss yeah. demons. Demons. So. I'm doing demony things. Okay. So while Brent <laughs> is doing demony things over there, uh, I invite you to tell us what you think about Dead Man Switch. Tell us what you think about Eris Bach. Tell us what you think about uh, Brent's predictions for the future of stuff coming no, out of this episode. And by tell because... us, I mean don't tell us. Tell me. Yeah, no. Don't tell us. Yeah. Never mind. Just just talk amongst yourselves. Talk amongst yourselves. Um, I know. I totally just set myself up for failure on that one. I guess I got. I, I'm. I'm gonna have to banish myself from like the Facebook page. No. Oh no. 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 I'm gonna have okay. to put the ban hammer you know on what? me. Um. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Brent, you'll be fine. Even if they talk about it, it won't be me. It'll be them. You'll be fine. Okay. You so, know what? So do I'll, your I'll, thing, Facebook I can people. Do this. Uh, what I'll. I'll stay away from the Facebook page for a while. It won't be hard. Like that's easy to do for me. Oh, that's because you hardly pay attention to the Facebook page. Anyway. That's right. Yeah, All that's right. right. Well, uh, tell us what you think about this episode. Tell us where we got it right. Tell us where we got it wrong. Uh, go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. Uh, yeah. uh, actually write words that say how awesome we are because, you know, we need that kind of validation for uh-huh. our own self-worth. And Plus, we'll read it. Yeah. And well, then, then we'll read it out loud to everybody because Ooh, you guys Zach. are awesome. What? We should do a dramatic recreation of the review. <gasps> yes. We'll figure something go, out, but we can't there do it until you write them. So That's right. write them, get them up there, put those five stars out there. Let's share this Walking Through the Stargate Absolute Garbo podcast <laughs> with the world. <laughs> Absolute Garbo. Uh, tell us what you think. Uh, go to Facebook, Twitter, email, all of those things. And with that, I say, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.